I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better on this week's episode. In the red corner, groundbreaking special effects, machines taking over the world, a theatrical villain versus a hero with the power to bend and change the digital world. Can Jeff Bridges' genius hacker Flynn save the day? And in all fairness, why is it the movie called Flynn? Or why isn't Bridges' character called Tron? From 1982, it is Tron. The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511, center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. While in the blue corner, Groundbreaking special effects, machines taking over the world, a theatrical villain versus a hero with that power to bend and change the digital world. Can Keanu Reeves' genius hacker Neo save the day? It's the film that blew our minds before unblowing them with the sequels. From 1999, it's time to ask, what is The Matrix? Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. That's right. He pushed me in the real world. Somebody pushes me. I push back. 
I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And joining us for today's episode, we have a very special guest. She's a film and television journalist who's worked for massive brands from IGN to fandom to the BBC. Her latest book, Why We Love the Matrix, is out now. Welcome to Clash Pod for the week, the brilliant Kim Taylor Foster. Hey. Hey. Hello, what a welcome. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, very well. It's great to have you on. As I just mentioned, your wonderful book, Why We Love the Matrix, is out now. So come Thursday's episode, would it be fair to say you are our very own oracle? <laughs> that is fair. Yes. If I can remember what I've written in my book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can remind you because I've literally just read it and it's very good as well. Thanks. You very sound good. surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not. It's very, very good. Does that sound better? It's very good. It's a very good book. Uh, it is fair to say that you do love The Matrix, though. It is fair to say that, yes. And how do you feel about Tron? Uh... Well, that's to be seen, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She knows how to play the game. Yeah, it's a little test. Spoiler alert. A little test there. You gave him test. a little frightened look then. <laughs> uh, you have done something which I have never done uh, in my career, which is interview Keanu Reeves. He's on my missing uh, list. Never had the chance to do him. Is he as great an individual as I imagine him to be when you sit down with him? Yes, I'm glad you said that at the end when you sit down with him because I always uh, preface these with, well, we're in a professional environment. They ought to be on best behaviour and really, really pleasant. Um, and nine times out of ten, they are. And Keanu Reeves is definitely up there, yes. He's great. I just, <laughs> I mean, I, I bumped into him once in a non-sit-down situation at a bar waiting to use the toilets in a queue with other people, just like a regular person. <laughs> and I was like, hello. And then I embarrassed myself by having nothing to say. You know when you try and say something unique? Because you don't want to go, I love you and John Wick and the Matrix. <laughs> and I had nothing. I said, this queue's long, isn't it? He went, yeah. <laughs> that was it. So <laughs> the clue Victoria gave last week was... Do you want me to do it for you? <laughs> of course I want you to do it for me. If you're bored, Rial, just play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Chris followed it up on Twitter. He's so happy with that, aren't you? Yeah, you yeah. really can't get over how, how good your clue is. I don't know if it is good. I don't know if anybody... And then also, I'm like... Metrics are skewed. Like Chris thinks it's good if no one got it. I think it's good if everyone got it. So Okay, well, you're about to find out. Chris followed it up on Twitter, though, with... I'm in computers. You're in computers. So we're on Twitter at ClashPod, also on Instagram at ClashPod. And the guessers raced in on their light cycles to answer the question, what is the Clash this week? A lot of close guesses, Victoria. Uh, Katie and Reese Page, Free Guy versus Tron, Dean Tipton, War Games versus Tron, Kieran, Tron versus Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Camillo, Tron versus Jumanji, the next level. A lot of Jumanji guesses. Um, Just Ben and James Ozapew, Tron versus The Last Starfighter, Gemma Page, Tron versus Tron Legacy, a couple of Lawnmower Mans in there, Tim Wilkins, Lawnmower Man versus The Matrix, but... We have one correct guess. Anthony Emrose, Tron versus The Matrix. And what do we say when there's just one correct guess, Chris? Nailed it. Yep. Happy with the clues, aren't you? Mm. How do you feel, Vic? I don't know. But didn't that person who <laughs> won, they had quite a lot of guesses, I think. It was their fourth guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eventually something's going to stick. I, I played with the scales and I was like, is it better that we have a correct guess? Yeah. Even after four guesses. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right. Well... Congratulations, Anthony M. Rose. Your prize is two tickets to the Hellfire Club for when you're next in Sydney. You will have to supply your own nipple clamps. Also, it closed in 2019. You're welcome. <laughs> so, connection section. 
Sentient programs. Sentient programs. Uh, almost Alice in Wonderland, almost. So uh, in Tron, Tron says, or someone says Stranger and Stranger, which I took to be a reference to Curiouser and Curiouser. And then in The Matrix, they follow, Neo follows the White Rabbit. Good, good. The working man trapped in a maze of cubicles. Mm, yeah, they both work in cubicle-based offices. Kim? Uh... <laughs> You got anything? Nothing. <laughs> I've right. got nothing. I've got loads. I've um, got good and bad. No. You will make him so angry. <laughs> I was quite surprised to see bullet time in both films because the moment Fling gets digitised, they shot that using bullet time oh, by yeah. photographing him all around and, and playing it from all the different angles. That's good. It's really good, That's isn't it? That's good. Amazing. Um, red and blue is big in both movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's brilliant. Uh, movie titles that appear on screen in almost identical fashion. <laughs> yeah. The way Tron appears is lovely, and it's the same as The Matrix. That's kind of it. I mean, an oracle, sort of a slash, like a bridge between worlds type function, character function. Yeah, there's religious themes in both films that I'm sure we'll get into. I've, I've got one that's that connects uh, the sequels to Tron, mm. which is the uh, the giant face of the MCP yep. with the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. Uh, meetings with your boss in rooms with floor-to-ceiling windows is in both. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's like hats last week. It's like hats. Uh, I've got one that's a bit weird, but it's a fact that I like. So I'm going to say Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> so there's a variation of Ultimate Frisbee played in Tron. Mm-hmm. But do you know how it connects to The Matrix? No. I've mentioned this two years ago on the podcast. <laughs> then obviously no. Um, but it's a good bit of trivia. Mm. Um Ultimate Frisbee was invented in 1968 by Joel Silver, the producer of The Matrix. Really? No! Yes, no way. At Columbia High School in New Jersey. Holy shit. It's mad, isn't it? No wonder he was producing movies all through the <laughs> 80s and 90s. He must have made a fortune. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Wait, Ultimate Frisbee isn't just a concept. It comes with that special disc, doesn't it, with a hole in. That's Ultimate Frisbee, isn't it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They play it on Clapham Common, but it just looks a bit sad to me. <laughs> oh no, that's... that's Hogwarts. Sorry, they play um, they play the Hogwarts game. That's a the, big on the broom. They play Quidditch. Oh, yeah, yeah. On a broom. Yeah, they run around on brooms. They and... do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Grown, grown people. <laughs> hey, you got to have a passion. You got to have a hobby. <laughs> right then, that is the connection section done. So on Thursday, I'll be saying welcome to the desert of the real Clash Potters. But today, Chris is the master control program as he hops into a grey onesie to meet Tron. Chris takes on a journey. Kevin Flynn is the inventor of a game called Space Paranoids. But a bastard brick called Dillinger stole that game and passed it off as his own. So Flynn sets about finding proof to bring Dillinger down. Big mistake, as his investigation coincides with Dillinger's AI becoming sentient and absorbing Flynn into the Matrix. I mean mainframe. So our hero is now inside the computer. Everyone has a digital doppelganger. And please don't ask me about any of this, as I never understood it. And there are some deadly games involving bikes and discs, and I still don't understand it. And these programs seem quite horny, so do they have sex? Now I'm regretting having to explain this movie. And then Flynn makes it out of the computer and prints out a piece of paper, and the film just ends. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I'm having to do Tron. I've never understood it. Uh, Please help me today, guys. Sure. Uh, I've got no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie. (laughs) Okay. I said to Kim, either we'll figure it out together or we can have a laugh. Well, this is the thing. The master control program wants to absorb the powers or or if he finds finds some of the programs useful, 
within the matrix. Yeah. He will absorb. <laughs> the you can't help yourself. It's fine. There's a, a, one of one of Flynn's games that he creates is Matrix something or other. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and uh, yes, because he wants to grow in size and take over the world, you know, yeah. and and humanity. So, so that's it. Uh, yes, uh, and if but if these programs are not useful, okay, he sends them down to the games grid to be destroyed. Okay, right, sorted. So when the master control program's like, yeah, I'm going to go into Russia. That's where I'm heading in the Pentagon. That's him. I I took that as nuclear codes. Yes. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, me too. I mean, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, not clarified. I have questions about you that. You think so- he was going to do the payroll? <laughs> <laughs> You like that? <laughs> uh, so, when did you first see Tronkin? Well, I, w- I was a very young child. Yeah, me too. Um, and I would have seen it on TV, mm-hmm. and I would have watched it several times. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I understood none of it. No, but it looked good. It looked good, and th- and that was that was the thing, wasn't it? I, you know, wow, the idea of being actually inside a video game, and that's all it was to me—the light cycles and. Uh, and and just doing it for yourself in this digiscape, which looks not so good by today's standards, um, was the cool thing. And I enjoyed that. But yeah. There's I'm the a lot same, more to it. I'm the same. I was quite a hyperactive child, but this was almost guaranteed to send me to sleep if I put Tron on. <laughs> the first half hour, I'd be well into it. And then once it hits an hour, it's just, it was white noise to me. <laughs> How about oh, really? you? How about you, Alex? First watch. Oh, honestly, I thought I'd seen this, and yeah, and how can you think you've seen this? Because I think I must have just seen the light cycles clip on something <laughs> okay. over the years, and I've gone, oh, I must have seen yeah. that. And I think I did make a point of trying to watch this before Tron Legacy came out, and then I must have started it and gone, <laughs> I'm, I'm eight minutes in and I don't know what's going on. There's not enough time in my life to watch this movie. So yeah, it was an interesting experience watching it for the first time. Halfway through, I thought someone had given me mushrooms, and by the end, I wished someone had given me mushrooms. Vicky? I thought I'd seen it. Um, yeah, I, this is the first for you as well. Yeah. I, run, I thought it was on uh, was one of Mark's VHSs. I thought it was something his dad was really into. It turns out what I've confused is the music video for Daft Punk, Daft Funk and Daft Punk Around the World with the whole of Tron. Right. I've seen those videos a lot of times and me and Mark have listened to a lot of Daft Punk. Yeah. But it mean, doesn't mean we've seen Tron. Turns okay. out. So <laughs> Interesting. So two two people that have seen it many times, two people first time viewings. I like it. Uh, so let's ta- start with the birth of Tron. Um, and it begins with Steve Lisberger, who was a student in the 1970s uh, when he got into animation. He made a film called Cosmic Cartoon that was nominated for a Student Academy Award, got into advertising and he got excited by backlit animation. Other studios were using that process to create sets. He decided to use it to make a liquid neon character. And as the character was electronic, he called him Tron. I'd never realised the name comes from the word electronic. Uh, Do not think I'm right, though? It's crazy that Tron takes a backseat for most of this movie. Yeah. Flynn is the main character. Flynn is your hero. Flynn is yeah. who you are following in this. And it needs he needs to be called Tron or the movie well, needs I to be called Flynn. I always thought he was. It wasn't until I rewatched it as an adult that I realised Jeff Bridges wasn't Tron. Yeah. It's a very strange decision. Um... So Tron initially started out as an advert for a rock radio station. Um, it was a two-minute short, and then it gave... <laughs> it, what? Just you saying, a rock radio station. <laughs> Multiple rock radio stations. Oh, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, that gave him the Just idea... Just a rock station's fine. 
Just a rock station. Gave him the idea to make a whole movie from Batlit characters. And he moved his studio to LA and made a film called Animal Olympics. Has anyone here seen Animal Olympics? No, it sounds excellent. It does. I was obsessed with this when I was a kid. It was a feature animated film about the Olympics, except obviously it was all animals. Um, that was on heavy rotation in my house when I was a kid. And I watched it more than I watched Tron. Tell me about it. But like the kangaroos doing the long jump. Exactly. All that kind oh, of thing. Okay. Or, or, or boxing each other and I, things like that. I thought it was a series. Well, basically, it was it was like a series of shorts. It was a feature film, but the idea was they could cut it up and play it in between um, Olympic sports during the Russian Olympics or when there was downtime. But then America pulled out of the Russian Olympics, and so it completely screwed them up. So they didn't get all this TV rotation they thought they were going to get. So Lisberger's studio was screwed, and so they needed a new project, and they decided to focus on Tron. So the inspiration was Pong. Yeah. Uh, which Lisberger said reminded him of gladiatorial games. I played Pong. It didn't make me think of Spikers. <laughs> you played it too late, though. When, when you were a kid, when, if you'd been alive and Pong first emerged like as a game, you'd been like, this is incredible. Yeah. I used to, I, when, it was called Ar- Arkanoid when I was a kid, and I was a bit obsessed with the one where you hit the bricks on yeah, the top. Yeah, that's different. Arkanoid yeah. was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was different. But Just Pong, a variation on the same. Pong was tennis, though. Because yes. you both played Pong. Arkanoid's a single-player game. Yeah, yeah, unless there's two of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, he pitched the movie to Disney with the, with the film fully storyboarded and the approach all figured out. And Disney was in a bit of a strange place at the time. Um, and they needed a hit. They wanted to catch the arcade craze was their idea, but they also wanted their Star Wars. And they just tried that with the black hole. That didn't work. So they thought, let's do it in computers. Tron will be our Star Wars. I mean, that didn't work either. Spoiler alert. But um, the version that Disney bought, according to screenwriter Bonnie McBird, was very different. I've got a quote from her in 2002. And she said, I worked on Tron for two years before it went to Disney. I had Robin Williams in mind as Flynn. Originally, Flynn was a pizza delivery boy who fell inside the computer and had to find his way out. The script originally had a lot of humour in it, a lot more layered characters, uh, the bit who longed to be a programme, the programme who longed to be human, etc. It went through more incarnations. Uh, Then there were four um, sets of writers and eight sets of writers and a rather bitter credits dispute. But she ends by saying, my original script was much funnier, sharper, wittier, smarter than the final one, (laughs) although probably not as visually interesting. Yeah. She wasn't very happy, I don't think, afterwards because she was pretty much ejected from the project when she was asked, I think it was in the same interview, about the script and whether she liked it. She said, most of the dialogue makes me shudder. Yeah. Yeah. She calls out some of those quotes and yeah, she's she's right. um, (laughs) Yeah, what did she say? Sorry, I've just thought about like where Jeffrey just says that is a big door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can talk about that door. It is a big door. But it is a big door. Mm. You're do you know, right. Do you know what? I want to see a big door that opens slowly, <laughs> open in real time <laughs> in a film, in real time. Yes, they, he, I think he must have improvised that line because he's like, yeah. they're still shooting <laughs> this door opening. Someone should say something. That's a big door. But the funny thing is that wasn't in the script. They, they, they were shooting at this nuclear facility, uh, a real life nuclear facility, and they saw the door and re- decided to write it in because it was such a great opportunity. I mean, they got into it very easily, though. didn't seem that secure Uh, so let's talk about those visuals they brought in artists and visionaries Mobius and Sid Mead to work on the designs for Tron Um, Disney were concerned about the production so made Lisberger do a test to prove it could work he brought in a frisbee champion and shot him against a white background it was successful but they decided to go for black backgrounds as they didn't have enough light in all of Hollywood to light the whole movie Um, they shot live action turned them into transparencies lit them coloured by hand and so 
much more of the film was done that way than inside a computer. Um, I've got more on how the backlit process worked. I'm good. But I got bored, <laughs> I got bored typing it, so it's not going to be fair saying it out loud. Um, but they put together a two-minute showreel for cinema owners, um, but that took them a month for, for uh, each minute, and they realised it would take them 80 months to finish the film. <laughs> and so they sent uh, what they needed to Cuckoo's Nest Studio in Taiwan to do the inking and painting fast. So Tron is literally made in Taiwan. And as for those iconic costumes, they were extremely lo-fi. Uh, it was a leotard with a motocross helmet, some lacrosse pads, and then the circuitry drawn on in black pen. <laughs> and uh, yes, they had to wear uh, bathrobes as it was skin tight and you could see everything. Welcome Aww. to Disney's Star Wars. <laughs> um, uh, they had trouble casting the film because most people thought it sounded dumb to do a Disney film about games. Um, no one can understand the script. Um, the original idea was Flynn to be much younger than Jeff Bridges in the film and for Alan to be much older. Uh, Kirk Douglas was who they were after for that character. Um, would that have worked? A young geek and an old Spartacus-like man? Do you think that would have been a better match? I do think F Alan and Flynn are relatively similar. Yeah. And they look a bit similar yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have worked. One's got a bit of charisma, the other one hasn't, but... Yeah, but we wouldn't have had Jeff Bridges. No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's two more connections you've just listed there that we didn't list at the start. Both movies, Matrix and Tron, showed test footage to convince people as proof of concept and... Uh, no one could understand either script. No, nobody. Uh, Jeff Bridges thought the script was far out, man. That's what he says <laughs> on the DVD. Of course he, he did. <laughs> he's the dude. Um, and he said he liked the idea of being sucked inside a computer. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner um, <gasps> didn't want to play uh, what he called Deadly, Dudley Do-Right character, turned it down. But when he saw the storyboards and concept art and heard that Jeff Bridges was going to be in it, he signed on. He uh, was a bit of a hero of mine much later in his career as uh, John Sheridan in Babylon 5. I Fucking oh, yeah. loved him in that. Babylon 5. Did you ever watch Babylon nope. 5? It was basically Deep Space Nine, just good. In fact, I think <laughs> Deep Space Nine ripped off Babylon 5. I think that's a famous thing. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Um, well, I hope he's better than that than in this. Um, <laughs> he, and, he's not. <laughs> and weirdly, they wanted uh, Peter O'Toole to play uh, the Dillinger character, no. but he wanted to play Tron. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lisberger talks about uh, him. They met in a in a hotel room in a bar. <laughs> well, he might have been at the bar earlier because Lisberger said, "No, you're, we're going younger for Tron." And and he apparently started jumping around on the bed and the furniture to prove that he could do the things that Tron does in the game. Uh, and then he tells another story that they nearly had him, but then when he realised the sets were digital and not real, he walked. So I don't know what the truth is there, but. Whatever happened, they didn't end up with Peter O'Toole, but he they did. walked, then jumped, uh, then flipped <laughs> off the bed, and then <laughs> fell over, pissed. Um, so they cast a different Brit in the shape of uh, David Warner. Love him. Uh, the only other casting thing I found out, they screen tested Deborah Harry, but um, Cindy Morgan uh, got that role. She said she didn't understand anything in the script, so she played Yuri that way, <laughs> as if she was someone with no life experiences and an innocent. 
Bernard Hughes is the last one I'll talk about. He plays Dr. Walter Gibbs, uh, probably best known as a grandpa from The Lost Boys. Yeah. What a sweetheart. Uh, he also says nothing made sense, but he enjoyed it because he believed that the people he was working with knew what they were doing. But he said, I found the green screen very confusing and the plot very, very consuming. Uh, same as me, Bernard. And now I've got to try and talk about the bloody movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a little heads up before we crack into the movie. I have no notes for the first eight minutes because I've no idea what was going on. Well, okay, let's try and explain it. Uh, we enter a circuit board, there's a light cycle game. I mean, that seemed to be the money shot from this movie and what you sort of took away was the light cycle, even though it's basically Snake. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the money shot is surely the fact that uh, David Warner has the most high-tech AI in the world, Master Control, and the password he uses is Master. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of your passwords has been featured in a data leak, obviously. <laughs> I mean, how did Kevin Flynn not get that password? <laughs> uh, so, as Kim said, Master Control is doing these nefarious things. He's taking over programs to become stronger, and if they if that fails, he kills them in the games. Um, but there's this sort of existential crisis going on within the mainframe where these innocent programs are asking who their users are and if they don't have a user who wrote them. And it's nearly interesting, mm -hmm. but it also is. quite confusing. It's very nearly interesting. <laughs> You, I mean, seriously, I think Bonnie McBird's uh, script might have actually addressed some of those. I do like the idea of programs wondering, you know, who they are and wanting to be human. That sounds like a concept taken through to fruition yeah. as opposed to just a question. Yeah. I also like the idea of Mork from Mork and Mindy falling into a computer. Yes. Yes. Um, and so we then leave the computer world and we're in the real world. And Kevin Flynn, played by Jeff Bridges, is requesting access to his Clue program because he's trying to find a computer file. We don't know what that is yet. And then we see Clue in the computer and it's Jeff Bridges as well. But he's talking like his Starman character from a year later. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think there's good and bad about having the um, programs look like the user's. It gets a bit confusing because like the Clue character, he's using this Starman voice now. But when we see Clue later, he's just talking like Jeff Bridges and Flynn's talking like Jeff Bridges as well. Does Jeff Bridges as Flynn in the computer meet Clue as played by Jeff Bridges no, in the computer? He's no. already been digitized. De-rezzed. De-rezzed. De-resoluted, yeah, de yeah. de yeah. de to say it in full. Apparently. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it makes you... Go I hadn't spotted it until this time, is when you're in pain or you're angry, you go red. If you start blue, you turn red. Yeah, I miss... I thought red meant you were a baddie. It does sometimes. <laughs> it yeah. does sometimes. So that's really confusing later on, but we'll come to yeah, it. Yeah, they messed up some of the colour stuff. They I talk mean, about that on the commentary. That, there's that, one bit that is... Yeah. It's unfortunate because, like you just said, it's the money shot, which is the light cycle bit, which is just yeah. like how, how you can ruin... Like in a movie that is already that confusing, just a simple action sequence can be ruined because you decided at the eleventh hour we're going to change the color. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't never particularly proud of that either. Um, so, uh, Clue, as you said, is arrested as a pirate program, is in prison on a wall, and derezzed. And then we've got Alan Bradley, played by Bruce Brock's Lightner. He's searching for his security program, Tron who looks like him and uh, his access is suspended. So he has to report to Dillinger who looks like, who sounds like the master control program. Just for the record, Chris is already holding his head <laughs> in his hands as he tries to explain this. The idea is Tron is going to monitor the master control program, but the master control program doesn't want that. He won't stand for that. Yeah. Which is so complicated. And also David Warner doesn't help proceedings because you've got no idea what his relationship is to master control. It's no. like, is he scared of it? Is he worried that he's created something that is now out of control? Or is he a bit like, 
No, he's all right. I no, think I we're think on side. They do all right because the the first time Master Controller speaks to Dillinger, he says thank you for coming back. So he's polite to him. Mm. Then the second time he starts that end of line bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so he, Dillinger's face is meant to be, oh, I'm not mm. the boss anymore. Yeah, but which would work if it was if he sort of went. This conversation is over. But no one in the yeah. real world has ever ended a conversation going, end of line. <laughs> it's not a phrase. But, no, it's but not. don't they establish that Walter Gibbs was involved with the making of the Master Control program back when yeah. it was a chess program? So then shouldn't the Master Control program have his voice and not Dillinger's voice? Yeah, I just yeah. thought they wanted David Warner to work his fucking ass off. He's got like so, 15 but, roles. But to make the correlation between the two of them is just... Yeah, I mean, I think... The problem with Walter is he's just not very assertive. When David Warner is incredibly rude to him, he goes, you could be out of this company in a second. <laughs> well, the two goes, that wasn't called yeah, for. Come on. <laughs> it's like, that's your line? Yeah. That is your retort, that wasn't called for. <laughs> uh, we're introduced to a laser that can do stuff with an orange. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got obsessed with the orange. It's such an obvious open goal. Make it an apple. The apple, the, the, tempta- the temptation. The apple from the Garden of Eden. Not just a big juicy orange. Well, they didn't want to be obvious. Did they? <laughs> yes. it's, it's also, I think... It's because the movie was just not complex enough. It's like, use an orange though. <laughs> sidebar. So. <laughs> I, I think it's the fifth time we've seen that laser, though. I think we've seen it in Honey, I Shrunk yes. the Kids. Yeah. We've seen it in The yes. Fly. We've seen it in Stay Tuned. It's and we've seen it in Willy Wonka. It's kicking around the Disney back lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a weirdly slut-shamey moment where Alan has a go at Laura for letting... Uh, Flynn have access to her. I know, they both do though. He's like, well, Flynn had access to you. And it's like, we're talking about work. So grow the fuck up. And then later on, he's like, does she leave her clothes all over the place? Like, we're trying to talk about work. Will you both please grow up? It's a bit pathetic. Yeah. And Flynn doesn't mind if it's it's actual real world Laura or um, or just a programme that looks like Laura, but is Someone an else. artificial programme. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some thoughts regarding sex within the computer. Really interesting conversation that I'll have later. <laughs> there is a deleted scene. Have you seen the deleted no. sex scene? Okay, we'll get to that. But first, we're going to take a quick break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we're back. So, um... Flynn is going for a record on a video game as a bunch of kids <laughs> watch and cheer. So let me get this straight. He's a grown man who seems to be getting kicks from having kids watch him beat a game that he created. Yeah. It seems like a hollow victory it's to be good at that. It's a weird one, isn't it? An older computer nerd who's really good at video games surrounded by teenage girls in a movie made by an older computer nerd who's really good at video games. <laughs> and, it, and it makes him so sweaty he has to take his shirt off. Is oh, it, when he goes up to his room? Oh, yeah. That's just a power move. He's like, you're here with your new boyfriend. I'm going to take my top off to watch you sweat. It's quite racy for a Disney film. Yes. I quite like seeing Jeff Bridges' torso. I did as well, honestly. He looked nice. (laughs) Isn't it weird though? Because there's a bit where Alan and Laura turn up at the arcade and he's just finished the game and a girl, a teenage girl, Mm. basically propositions him. She's like, she sort of grabs hold of him and goes, oh, come on, Flynn. And he basically, his reaction is, not not right now, there are actual adults here. (laughs) Uh, Any other night, but not right now because it is problematic what we're doing. <laughs> I think that would be my dream apartment though when I was 18 yeah. was above an arcade full of neon. Yeah. I'd never leave. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think he did really no. <laughs> until the film starts. <laughs> until they move him on because uh, this is when we learn about Space Paranoids. Uh, he's trying to get evidence to prove that that game was stolen from him. Do you and- know how exciting this was? I've never been so excited for copyright theft because it was an actual <laughs> plot point. I was like, okay! <laughs> Okay, and we're in. I'm happy with copyright theft. So Tron is their only hope. They break into the building via a very big door, which we've already spoken about. Uh, As Alex said, it's quite funny that the the MCP is planning to break into the Pentagon. Its border corporations wants to run the world. Blackmailing Dillinger. And it now wants Chinese language files. Also, the blackmail is, he's like, I want the Pentagon. I want the Kremlin. And he's like, you can't. Do you want me to tell the Times what you were doing? And it's like, oh, an expose in the Times. All right, go on, then I will hand control of the entire world to an evil computer. Like He should be like, I know where your family are. I can drop a bomb on their head or whatever. But he's like, I will tell a Times journalist that you stole the video game. So let me do what I want. But to be fair, the MCP didn't know what was coming with China taking over the world. So yes. it's a smart computer. Um, so Flynn starts hacking uh, on a computer next to the laser mm. and the MCP starts talking to him. I'm warning you, Flynn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then he scans and digitizes Flynn. Yeah. Um, Via this bullet time, as I said, it's a bunch of still photos taken all around him and he's put inside the computer in what was probably some mind-blowing digital effects back then. And that's the CG stuff. Mm. But 
that's the stuff I think looks the most dated. And I'd be honest, I found him getting digitized quite scary when I was a kid. I would always get a bit upset when that was coming. It was like a, a shitter version of the of the Superman three robot. That I'm always have terrified. Really of. weird relationship <laughs> with film featuring people characters. He just doesn't want to lose his sense of self. Yeah, it's the humanity. It's yeah. like the humanity getting sort of sucked away from someone. Okay, but they still exist. So yeah. like being buried alive. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. It's five year old me. It really freaks oh, out. Shit, you mean a bit like the end of being John Malkovich? Spoiler, where yeah. he's trapped inside yeah. the child's body. I so see, I can't watch that film again. Yeah. They, I have got an issue with this, haven't I? Mm, you do. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to examine it. What I want to know <laughs> is, though, when will he merge with the orange? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That would have been amazing. <laughs> is, is there a curious orange? <laughs> that was an internet thing. He could look like that. Um, it's a good question. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I didn't. Did I mention that Sark within the computer is played by David Warner? You did not, but That's it's Dillinger's. interesting, isn't it? This is another great line from the Master Control uh, program, which I mentioned at the start. No computer. Sark's like, so why have you digitised this guy? And there's two problems. First of all, somebody pushes me. I push back. Yep. Says no computer ever. <laughs> He's a rubbish computer. <laughs> but also, this whole scene where Sark, it's like he's going to be our villain on the ground. He's going to be after Jeff Bridges inside the Matrix, whatever, the mainframe. And basically, he's like, no, you shouldn't have done that. I'm really scared of him. It's like, wow. So our big bad yeah. is terrified of our hero at the start. Yeah. What a terrible idea. And his plan's rubbish. I'm going to give him substandard training. <laughs> 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 and then he's going to die. Does he also say, I thought I misheard it, get that clown down. <laughs> he does, he does yeah. say that. Yes. Get that. It just reminds me of road rage. Like no one ever says, you don't. You only describe someone as a clown if they've annoyed you during driving. I feel like you don't say it in the real world. Especially, look at that yeah, clown. No. Um, we get some of this really just underpinning uh, the film. The, the MCP wants the superstition and hysterical believers renounced. Mm. And you've got the idea of there's this authoritarian regime within the computer that they want to maintain. And then there's there's programs that want democracy, which is, you know, kind of like the Matrix. There's similar themes going on there. And it is interesting here as well. We learn that the Frisbees are identity discs <laughs> and everything you do or learn is imprinted on a disc. And that's kind of way ahead of its time in terms of the computer knowing everything about our lives mm -hmm. and, and it all being there. Apart from <laughs> you have to physically throw it in order yeah. for the intel to land where it needs have to be have you never thrown your phone at someone <laughs> do you want my number <laughs> i am puzzled by the decision to never have flynn go holy shit i'm in the mainframe yeah, yeah. it's pretty chill weird he yeah. i think there's one sequence where he goes is this a dream nope Okay. <laughs> because yeah. on Thursday, when Neo discovers the truth and, and leaves, he's vomits and he's sick yeah. and it, it nearly destroys his brain. Yeah. There should be something. We want, a, we want a scene where he's going to pop. He's, he thinks he's got, even though he's accepted being in the mainframe, he thinks he's got to play video games. And then he meets, he's with, is he called Cram? Crum, Ram. 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 Some, Ram. Someone. Come on. And he's got to play lacrosse and he's not like, Oh, I thought I was playing a video game. He's like, I'm going to literally throw something at you. And he's like, that's cool. Like, that's yeah. fine. I know, yeah. I know the rules. Yeah. Um, Ram, a.k.a. Billy the Kid from Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. really? 
Um, so as you said, there's this game. It's I, I'd written down lacrosse, and then I was searching for it. It's 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 um this game that they play called Jialai in in the states, and it, that was started a long time ago. Involved bouncing a ball off a walled space by accelerating high speeds with a handheld wicker cesta. It's called. Are you meant to, as the other player, catch it, or is your opponent meant to try and hit the ground? Because they never explain the rules, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we really need some rules explained throughout this I film. Mean, I mean, I've got think. this game, though. This game is you destroy the rings that the opponent is standing on until there's very few of them left, and then they fall to their death. So, yeah, but, yep. but poor Finn doesn't know that. No. He doesn't know that to the end. It's quite good when the guy's like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Flynn gets the upper hand, but the MCP demands he kills his opponent. Flynn refuses. Sark kills him anyway, which happens in every Gladiator movie. You've seen that film yeah. before, and we'll see it again. Um, I mean, they're not killed; they're derezzed. What does that mean? Is that, that mean, the same as death? <laughs> I mean, I really. Kim, what's that mean? Know. Well, there's no blood, is there? It's just digital uh, erasure, effluence. I feel no. like they're dead. The, op- the opposite of liquid, not liquid. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're just gone. Sort of for fiery now. liquid for now. There's <laughs> <laughs> just no liquid. So Flynn and Tron uh, meet up. There is liquid. Oh, there is liquid. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Sorry, they all Spo- drink water. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, Flynn meets Tron, and they're going to team up and go after the MCP. There's, there's a light cycle race, and that's then... the problem, though. That's what we touched on earlier. The fact that like, you watch this light cycle race, and you immediately, because Ram and Flynn are blue, mm. think that the goody light cycles yep. are blue, and they're not. And you're hard halfway through before you go oh shit they're the opposite way around they're because... or- i think they're orange aren't they mm, yeah yeah bad idea uh they drive the opposition to the wall they escape the grid and they're on the run from the recognizers and the mcp tanks <laughs> um they need to get to the recognizers you've, you've got it, so many like i mean this is pre the terminator the terminator call them terminators what a yeah. great name not recognizers <laughs> what do they do when they, they there he is that's him and no, that's all I do. I'm a recognizer. <laughs> I've seen him. I know him. He's the one. They stopped to drink some water. What is that? Well, I pa- thought it's a it power was power, source. But yeah, it's a power source. I didn't understand how digitized Flynn would be able to drink it because, oh, no way. Because he's not a human anymore, but he has all these memories. And so I thought this stuff would kill him because he's not actually a program. I wrote down liquid ecstasy. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> they are loving it. That sounds great. Uh, Ram gets hurt. I think Ram gets derezzed, but I don't care. There's no emotional stakes in this film. Um, but he does say he's got that good line, which is straight out of the Matrix, where he goes, like, I think almost word for word, he's like, how are you able to do this when Flynn rebuilds the recognizer, being able to mold the digital world, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, he gets sad that, to know that Flynn is a user and that they all sort of get a bit disappointed that Flynn doesn't have all the answers. Uh, Laura, as we said, appears as Yori, and she's reunited with Tron. And, and yeah, so... This thing about the spirit of the programmers being in the programs, which is why they look the same. I just don't quite understand the relationship. Do the relationships within the computer reflect the relationships in the real world? And is that why Tron and Yuri are together? Because Alan and Laura are together? Good question. No idea. No, me neither. No. Um, yeah, it's just hard to understand. And there is there is a deleted scene, which basically is the two of them um, having sex. Which two? Uh, so Flynn I, and I, Tron. I've, I've watched it. I'll, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it. It's it's a love scene between Tron and Yuri. Right. Um, and they, they go up to Yuri's quarters. Um, she presses some button that lights the whole thing up, and then she ends up wearing this bioluminescent shawl by pressing another button, <laughs> and then 
she, she sort of starts touching him and all his circuit boards start sort of flowing fast. Why do you not read erotic fiction as an audio <laughs> I n- This isn't erotic, though, is it? It's pretty. Don't I mean, it on. could be. <laughs> she presses about, tell me about the shawl again. <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. Mm. It looks like Christmas decorations hanging off her. Stop. It probably Stop. is. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> so, yeah, they, anyway, they, they cut the sex scene from this Disney film. Um, <laughs> they, you don't see the sex because it then cuts to the morning after, but it's sort of implied. <laughs> the morning after. <laughs> Going to get the morning after pill. <laughs> And then there's lots. We had too much of that liquid ecstasy. (laughs) There's lots of running and climbing and jumping here. There's also the recognisers turning corners with screeching car tyres for some reason. Uh, Yeah. yeah. This stuff reminded me of Han and and, and Luke and Leia running around the Death Star, only here I don't understand the geography or the physics of what is happening. So it's just sort of, they're doing heroic things, but it doesn't feel like there's any real hero's journey. It's because there's no sense of space, which is in some ways brilliant and mind-blowing and groundbreaking. And then just as a human being, you just need to know where the walls are so you know where the danger is. And and as we said, Tron is supposed to be our hero, but he's a bit of a killjoy. He doesn't really have much charisma. Um, Anyway. We get to Walter now, who is now Demont <laughs> sitting on top of a tower with a big penis for a head. <laughs> he's so good. And that's it what coming. it is. I couldn't figure out why it was so upsetting, but it is because yeah. he looks like he's... It's a cop. Yeah. He is brilliant. The robot sphinx. <laughs> I love him. Um, this is for me where the movie, uh, which hasn't bothered to make any sense at all until now, really stops giving a fuck. The moment that is straight out of Python is when Sark goes, bring forth the logic probe. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're just making shit up now. (laughs) The the penis head was a Mobius design. But if you walk up to a bloke with a penis on his head... You should acknowledge it. Or when you're the directors <laughs> on the commentary, you should acknowledge it. They don't even mention, oh, look, we, we accidentally put a massive cock in this film. <laughs> it's all I could see watching that scene. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they've got to get the disc into the heart of the MCP. Tron escapes on what's called a solar sailor. Um, they do fly over a giant Mickey Mouse here. Bit of an Easter egg, and there's a, I don't know if you clocked it. There's a Pac-Man earlier on in the film. I saw the Pac-Man. I didn't yeah. see the Mickey Mouse, but yeah. that's because Disney put mouse ears in things yes. and never tell you about yeah, it to secret. subconsciously always remind you to buy Disney. Secret Apparently, <laughs> the rumor is there's some on Oxford Street that you would never normally see, but as you really? walk down Oxford Street, there are hidden mouse ears that make you think Disney. Wow, I'm going to go in the Disney store. Okay. I thought it was a fun thing. They're called hidden Mickey's. I don't think it is. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, Tron, Neural Unite with Flynn. Um, There's bugs after them. These grid bugs, these green grid bugs. This must be when they run out of money because it's just bad animation now. Mm. We've gone from what looks like these cool computer-generated blocks to I don't know what that is. Mm. Um, Dumont's being tortured. And I've written down, this is a slog now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Flynn Flynn lays down his body and creates a junction uh, that saves them. I've just realised. What happens? Yeah, Yeah, he he lays down his body and creates this junction or a bridge. Uh, I just thought of that. Um, He does that in an advert, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah, that beer advert. Giant Jeff Bridges. Does he? Yes. I need to see that. <laughs> How has this got even weirder than just Tron? <laughs> um, and then the MCP we see is the big spinning face. Wait, there's a bit first where Tron is dead apparently, but you never see him die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we're on the sailboat, 
there's that bit where Flynn basically hits on Yori and Tron fronts up to Flynn, doesn't he? Like he's like, "Yeah, what are you doing? Mm. That's my girl." Yeah. Like, and then there's a guard who, rather than fight Tron, jumps to his death yep. slash de-resolution, mm-hmm. and then. There's a bit where... I've left all this stuff out on purpose, by the way, but I'm glad we're going through it. <laughs> yeah. we, we, the best bit, though, because I thought you were going to talk about this. Have we got to the bit where the film veers from not telling you anything to telling you everything very, very clearly? The bit where Sark goes, once I leave this ship, it will de-resolute with everyone on board. Mm. Pause. That means you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and Yuri uh, as well, because we're getting to the end here. Um, Fron plays Tron plays frisbee with Sark, and then Sark turns into a giant, and he loses his licorice all sorts brain. First of all, though, yes, they yes. spill out full of sweeties. Mm, it's amazing. <laughs> it was delicious. Uh, Flynn kisses Yuri and then jumps inside the MCP. This kills Sark. It stops the MC. It brings the Mont Black. It brings the digital world to life in colour. I think, though, I'm not sure, but helpfully, Yuri says, Flynn turned himself into a beam long enough for Tron to get the disc in. <laughs> yeah. So you've not managed to show this on screen properly, and yeah. so you've had to add in a line. Yeah. That's depressing. I prefer the bit where Yuri and Flynn have had a little smooch, and then Tron turns up, and she, she does admit it, but she goes, she goes... I mean, we thought you were dead. Yeah. And it's less than five minutes later. No, it's fine. She gets off with Flynn because she thinks he's going to die. Then she gets off with Chong. She's like, I thought you were dead. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, fine. I think she's playing her character from Caddyshack now. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen that not that long ago. But um, that's it. It's daylight. Flynn uh, is out of the computer. He lands in a chopper on a roof uh, where he's greeted by Alan and Laurie. Um, and he's got his proof. The, the whole thing was about a bloody computer printout and then the film just ends. Yeah. It's just strange. I think it's meant to say he's a rich man now because he's It's another got... movie that ends with, like, capitalist dreams. We've done this so many times recently. Yeah. Like, where it's like, capitalism is great, look at me, I've got a helicopter and a company and a briefcase. Yeah, and a bad suit. Mm. Yeah. Well, it depends what decade they're from. Every one of those films is from the 80s, so... Mm. This is, isn't it? Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. fine. And speaking of money, um, this film did all right, but... Disney didn't know how to sell it. That's how uh, the people that made it felt. Um, They felt that it was this cutting-edge movie and Disney that year was just gutted they hadn't made E.T. They felt like they made the wrong film, basically. But um, And another sad thing, it received Oscar nominations for costume design and sound, but the Academy thought they cheated using computers to create visual effects, so didn't receive a nomination for visual effects. Oh, no. (laughs) And it it is interesting watching the the behind-the-scenes. It's not a million miles away from how you make stuff like the Mandalorian and the Marvel movies now. We just had like a 20 year gap where people didn't know how to do another one yeah. but it's it's a very similar process for the actors. The screen that they've got up at Leavesden, that the, the back, the projection now, the LED projection yeah. is incredible! Yeah. Which they use for the Mandalorian. So any more? Sadly I just, no. I just think the whole <laughs> end is ridiculous I mean so they find out Dillinger years ago, like stole Jeff Bridges' copyright but you're like, Encom is doing really well. The board are not going to go, oh, you nicked some games. Yeah, you're bye. out. Jeff Bridges is in, who's clearly never run a company before because <laughs> he's hanging around with teenage girls in his arcade. Creepy. <laughs> so they're not going to replace him. They're not going to replace Dillinger over that. I'm reading too much into it, but I think they're trying to show that 
Alan and Laura, because of what they've been through, have totally relaxed as well because she's got her hair in a crimp. <laughs> and in the 80s, that was like, have you just got off the beach? Have you been relaxing? You must be having a great time together. That's Honestly, that's what I thought. I thought the hair was to do with the helicopter, though. Like, I thought she was yeah. having a hairstyle that wouldn't get too... Like she nearly gets blown off the roof. She if does, you watch that, yeah. She's holding on for dear life to Alan. Yeah. Did you think that the blades crimped her hair? No. <laughs> I thought she crimped it because she knew she was going near Is the blades. What you think we do? <laughs> it's a bit I impractical. really wanted to curl my hair today, but I just couldn't charter a helicopter, so I'm afraid it's straight. Mark's helicopter's in the shop, so it's great. I'm so embarrassed. There was a Tron sequel, which I was super excited for, even though I had strange feelings towards this film, and I can't remember any it now i went i went and looked at this plot again just to try and remember it and yeah um uh, flynn ends up back inside he goes missing in 1989 right. having spent eight years running the nine years running the the, the 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 company and he ends up back in the computer and that again looks visually amazing but mm-hmm. i think the cast was bad and it's weird i watched it and i just assumed that because of the gap between the original and the sequel it would do a lot of work to bring in me who hadn't seen the original yeah. and it doesn't no. at all it's impenetrable to someone who has not seen the original I'm like Jeff Bridges is in this why what's he doing <laughs> what's going on yeah the best sequel to Tron is the score by Daft Punk so <laughs> which is frigging amazing yeah. or The Matrix yes yep. so should we do the questions <laughs> Stop calling them the freaking <laughs> questions. It's so confusing. Kim, the first bits. of all, what was your favourite seat? First of all, did Tr- Tron Legacy explore his relationship with the orange? No. <laughs> I can't remember. Missed opportunity. <laughs> so what was the question? What was your favourite scene? Any question? <laughs> well, given that most of the film I disliked, which was inside the mainframe, must not say Matrix, um... My favourite scene was outside in the real world. Yeah. And that is when they break into NCOM. So the, from the whole door thing <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the um, the weird kind of flirting in this in this weird love triangle that's we've established has never really properly explored. No. Um, but there's this moment where they're where they're sneaking um Laura and uh, Kevin, I will call him Kevin because that's his first name. Okay, sorry. Flynn. Perhaps mm. the film could have been called Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kevin Legacy. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, Kevin does this cartoon kind of sneaky like run mm. thing across the floor, oh, which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, that was my good. favourite part because of that. <laughs> And I love his jacket as it's, well. There, it yeah. is a really weird decision, considering like the fact that he, Flynn, Kevin, has disappeared into this computer. Why we never cut back to Alan and Laura in the real world, sort of seeing Kevin in the game. So you get that lovely sort of reaction stuff to all the action, like, oh my god, is he going to survive this game? The light cycles, and then you get the happiness, you get the reaction. It would have been great. I think there are a lot of missed opportunities in the real world, and I've got one coming up. Uh, Vicky, favorite scene. I quite like it when, so I've got two. When we go into Flynn's Arcade, they go to great effort, although m- like 99% of the people are white, but they're like, everyone's welcome in this arcade. Look, everyone's having such a good time. And to really button that point, two pensioners walk across mm. shop. Like literally everyone loves it in Lost, here. Lost, senile, <laughs> <laughs> scared, alone. No one's helping them. It's not actually a casino, old folk, so you're in the wrong building. No, my favourite bit is when Flynn goes into the Matrix grid mainframe 
thing. It's the bullet time, but yeah, from this. Me too. Even yeah. though it freaked me out, I, I, I now get quite excited for that I scene. I think because at least you understand what's happening and you mm. understand the threat. A man has been digitised. That's probably bad. Yeah. And then later on, all the threats become a bit <laughs> Pro- opaque. Probably. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> not. It would be quite cool. 60, 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His password was much better than uh, Dillinger's. What was his password? Reindeer Flotilla. Oh, yeah. That's a proper password. <laughs> no numbers. No numbers, it, but, but you could put it was an, the an O could become a zero. That's my password. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is, and I love it, and I don't know why, but I love Master Control's massive red face. Yeah. I think it's just a really trippy visual. By yeah. that point, I was quite bored with the mainframe. And seeing that, I was like, that's fun. Yeah. It looks really good. So that one. <laughs> Vicky, who is or what is your most valuable whatever? Uh, just Jeff Bridges, just for being Jeff Bridges. That's it. That's as much as I have there. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's slim pickings, isn't it? He's got it? better but, with age. Yeah. yeah, but he's still himself in this. And so you, and you project a lot of love onto that person. Yeah, he says, that's a big door. He says that's a big door. He does this weird little howl. I'm not thing. saying that as a good thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying that's a ridiculous thing. But I'm saying he's got better now. You can imagine Jeff Bridges improvising the crap out of a scene yeah. with better words than that's a big door. I laughed my head off, I have to say. <laughs> Kim? Was the scream the bit when he was Clue? Was there was that? The, oh, there's a brilliant, yeah, when Clue dies. Ah! <laughs> that's brilliant. But then he's happy about Oh, no, when he, when he gets his little printout, his little dot matrix printout, and he goes, oh, yeah. woo! And yeah. he jumps off over a stairway. That was cute. Well, he's mine as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is Slim Pickens. <laughs> Are you going Jeff Bridges as well? I'm not, no. Good. Well, what's well, yours, Alex? Also, I just wanted to add, you know, it's like he's a stoner character in this, which which he com- yeah. which he develops later <laughs> in his career. I think yeah. we might. It's know who that he is. Up. It's, it's yeah. who he is. Yeah, uh, Alex. Uh, it is the bearded sphinx, penis head, Demont. Mm-hmm. I freaking love it because it's where the movie goes batshit crazy mm. and is actually too funny. It is like something out of Python. He looks like one of the French knights with his mm. his like, hands over yeah, the edge of the battlements. I was like, he that does. is what it is. So yeah, Demont. Uh, well, I mean, Mobius came up with him. Um, my real one is probably Sid Mead, who's the neo-futurist concept artist who came up with all the stuff with the light cycles, which I think is the most iconic thing from Tron. Um, he somehow managed to make this film look futuristic and dated which I think is an amazing feat. Um, but along those lines, I think my real MVW is Dillinger's Desk. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. God, that is so ahead oh, of its time. Yes. Yeah, it is actually. We all want that, don't oh, we? Yeah, it's called cool Desk. Yeah, it's called cool Desk. Uh, and Alex, if you could change anything, what would you change? I mean, what car? What what, what do you not change about <laughs> this movie? Um, I don't know. I Probably Master Control signing off too many times with end of line like it's making a big statement like you're supposed to go it just end of lined me and you're like no that's not a thing end of line stupid okay uh, Kim? Uh, well, mine is, you know, I want to, for a start, want to spend less time in this shitty low res 80s digiscape uh, and, and more time in the real world but if I have to then I, then I want to make the Master Control program more threatening mm. because he's rubbish. He says, well, you know, you said he says clown. He says, uh, <laughs> he calls, he calls, I think he calls Sark bit brain at one point <laughs> and an incompetent zero. Mm. And he threatens to, to banish him to a pocket calculator. Yeah. So- yeah. I'm with you on this. So my, mine's the same. I think the real world threat needs to be more tangible because as it stands, our hero's victory is printing out some words on mm. some paper. 
But that isn't really the stuff of blockbusters. You know, it's copyright infringement. Yeah. And I think we need to be cutting back to the MCP, carrying out a plan for world domination. Yeah, ticking because clock. Because it's, yeah. it's played as a joke, mm. that line. Mm. But let's see him putting together the pieces yeah, to actually yeah. take over. And then it will just feel so much more satisfying at the end of the film. Although I will defend the visuals. I think they look really cool. I love the visuals in this film. And I think they've dated in, in a really interesting way. Mm. But mm. anyway, uh, Vicky... This so my change is just, and this is the fault of Daft Punk, not the film, for a film that takes place in an electrical digital world. Did you notice that the score is like super heavy on flutes? <laughs> and I found that ridiculous. And so that, and then I was like, I'm just going to see how many more woodwind instruments I can spot. I heard a bassoon, I heard a clarinet. And it's meant to you be... can spot a bassoon. I can hear a bassoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, I, that's what I mean. If a bassoon's playing, you can go. That's a bassoon. Yeah, I used to play in an orchestra. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, I know you did. Was this before or after the Riot Girl band? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. It was before. Right, right, right. That's what happens. Everyone, it always isn't it? happens. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, I was, this classical shit. I played the clarinet, and then I uh, stopped playing that and played the guitar in a rock band. That's right. Sorry, a rock music band, Chris. <laughs> in a multiple rock. Band. I'd hoped would one day be played on a rock music radio station. <laughs> So, yeah, I just think the music should be electric rather than uh, woodwind. It's really synthy, though, if it was the 80s. Very synth heavy. Brilliant, yeah. Why not? It's funny you say that, though, but because I grew up with this and I've seen it since I was sort of four or five years old, when I hear any of this music, I think futurism. Right, OK. It's it's become embedded because of it's just so connected with the visuals. Yeah. It's weird what the brain will do to you. But yeah. All right. Electronica, you're right. That's it. Well we done, Chris. That well, must have been really hard. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to do I that. I don't think you've ever had to describe <laughs> a film that you didn't understand. <laughs> I think more often than you'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> You're just more convincing normally. I really wanted to do Tron as well. I was just, as it was getting closer, I was thinking, oh no, hold on. I don't know what this film is about or anything. And so I was getting quite nervous. And then I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be trouble. <laughs> Thank you for helping me. Right then, no quiz this week because it's embarrassing to do a quiz in front of a guest because one of us takes it too seriously. One of us? <laughs> we both take it too seriously. Uh, so, uh, Kim, thank you very much for being part of Tron. Pleasure, thanks for having me. Back on Thursday, yeah? Yep. Great stuff. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to be as clued up as possible for Thursday's episode, then pick up Kim's book, Why We Love the Matrix. Uh, is, is, it is a Bible for all things matrix uh, so next week my choices as we begin our merry clashmas holiday season special Yay! Woo! merry clashmas great to keep her so uh, my clue for our first pairing of our holiday season specials is have a monstrous christmas that's it there'll be another clue are we shooting Ooh. in the pub yeah, if you're up for it. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah, it seems to be a new thing now. Yeah. These pub clues or poos. <laughs> <laughs> Before then, we're back now on Thursday talking The Matrix. Please, in the meantime, be ready to subscribe and indeed review us if you've got the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashBot. Bye-bye. Speak to you Thursday. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.